welcome to the show this is take two because i messed up badly in the last time i tried to do the intro um yes so uh there are birds are completely flying outside my window right now and bullet is just staring them down um but he doesn't seem to really be showing much uh emotion bullet no he just wagged his tail he's up in his cat tree and he just he's wagging his tail when he hears his name He's a little conceited, I think. Uh, anyway, guys, welcome to episode 122. Uh, another great episode, of course. Uh, a very informational guest, and, and just, you know, uh, I'm hoping to see what she can do to help me, because I'm a mess. So uh, let's get to it, shall we? Thanks, guys. Alright guys, back again. Um, so I always like to say where I find everybody, but you know, it, it's like 80% of the time now, it seems like it's pod match. And um, I think one of the things I haven't explained in a while, or, or never really explained is, you know, I've said that's how I find a lot of my guests, but when I go to find some of these people, I think about once or twice a week. I go to the search engine and I go to or the explore part and you type in certain keywords. And you know, a lot of times I put in disable disability and there are people come up that aren't necessarily good for the show. It's just, there maybe it's just one of the things that they support, but they don't really have a story. Uh, and as far as our next guest, when I was reading her story, she has a lot going on that she's been through and, um, you know, she, she's, there's certain things that, you know, she has been through that I don't, remember if we've ever really discussed or maybe vaguely went over because it was a kind of a side story to someone else's story um but yeah she's a really sweet person and i'm glad to have her on so you want to uh introduce yourself and i don't know tell a little about yourself yeah thank you so much tj um really nice to be here on my blurred opinion and i uh, really want to thank all that that are listening here for giving me this opportunity to share about my own experience um with disabilities with mental health, chronic illness, autoimmune disorders. Um, you know, I'm 34 years old. I live here in Denver, Colorado. And uh, I had a long history of so many mental, emotional, and physical struggles before I was able to find a way out for myself. So I have a, um, I know that what I'll be able to share hopefully will relate to a lot of the struggles that um, your audience is going through. And I'm really just here to give hope um, because I did end up on the other side and I want people to know that there is hope. There is a light at the end of this tunnel. Don't give up. Right. So. But I also think at the same, again, I, I'm not going to tell you your story, but I'm, I'm sure at the same time, as much as you're in a great place, I'm sure you still have a couple of days where it takes you back to, you know, the way it was, at least like the mental health stuff. Oh yeah. I mean, Definitely for me with the mental health, and I can even just share like um, kind of like where that mental health started. But yeah, we'll um, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. I mean, currently right now, I, I am proud to say that I no longer struggle with any kind of chronic mental health conditions. That's I mean, good. do I have days where I feel a little more anxious? You know, of course. Or do I have days due to you know maybe issues going on in my family? Um, or some stressors that I might feel a little more sad, definitely. But would I categorize them? Would they be anxiety or depression? Absolutely not. So the chronic nature of all my mental health conditions has permanently resolved. 
Um, I am off all my medication and I have been for about seven years now. Oh, that's so. great. Congratulations. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So thank where, you. where, where do we start as far as like, you know, with your story, whether it's, I'm sure mental health probably came a little later because even if it maybe was kind of in, in the background, um, cause I always had anxiety and little things as a kid, but I never really knew what it was. Um, but like, yeah. I'm assuming a lot of it came from a lot of your other conditions. You know, actually, TJ, for me, I would say mental health kind of was, was the first part for me. Um, okay. This is something that I didn't want to admit for a long time. But when I was about eight years old, that's when I started having suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember thinking, um, you know, seeing a tree limb and thinking, okay, I, I knew I could hang myself from there. And I remember thinking, like, how was I going to do it? And I was planning on it. And I didn't really know that that wasn't normal. And I also didn't know why I was having these thoughts about wanting to end my life and feeling so sad and and so despondent. I couldn't pinpoint it. So I kept it a secret. Um, And, you know, from there developed issues like anxiety. Um, You know, it kind of came out more as perfectionism in the beginning, really just needing everything to be a certain way. And if it didn't, I couldn't handle it. Um, couldn't handle life, um, always wanting things to be just right, just so, and got so anxious, especially as, you know, you're moving into middle school and high school. I just pretty much avoided all social situations because I would get so worked up in my head about what it would be like to, you know, to go to the party, to call the person that I ended up just not really talking to anyone, um, which then led into some um, addiction issues when I was in high school um, and things of that nature. Now, did you um, lost like, my, you with, know, with, with your, like with the depression, you know, being eight, cause that's, that's really early on, which I'm pretty sure I had it back then too. It's just, I didn't know what it yeah. was. Um, and right. I, yeah. Cause I actually remember when I was four years old and again, I don't know what I was trying to do. And I was like, it was right after I got sick and I had healed up a lot, but I don't know. I don't know if I was sad yeah. or what, but I remember putting um, the, uh, like the lampshade, not the lampshade, but the, um, the window shades, the little, I guess this one, it must've been really strong, but I put the, the little cord around mm-hmm. my neck and then just kind of like, just started like pulling up and just letting go. And I don't know if I, cause I didn't know what yeah. hanging yourself was, but I don't know if that was some right. deep psychological thing that I was just like, I was tired of being, you know, blind or, you know, legally blind and just in pain. But, um, did you see right. anything? Was there something like, did you see like a movie that triggered something? Was there like a dead body you saw or was there anything that really, that you now that in hindsight, like, was there something that really, cause it's really weird to be eight years old and thinking about like wanting to die. Yeah. I think, you know, it, it might've been around that time. And there was a, a, a distant family member. It was a, a female. And I know she had, she had hung herself. Um, and I remember thinking like, wow, like you can do that. Like that's a way out. And I was just at that age where, you know, things were starting to happen in my family. Um, My dad struggled with uh, addiction issues with um, alcohol and drugs. A wonderful man, but he just had some some demons. And um, my mom was pretty distant. And I just, there was so much unsaid that was happening in my family at that time. But you can feel the like static reverberation of it. And I truly feel that the the household that I was living in, I did not know how to emotionally handle the emotions that were there. And it caused me to feel really um, anxious, really um, bad about myself 
really um, wanting to not be here because I, like, I felt like my body couldn't handle or process what was going on around me. And it just, at the time, seemed like a pretty sad but logical way out at that age. Right. Yeah. Well, I th- yeah, because there's only so much you can really compute as like an eight, eight-year-old. Like when you, yeah. cause you know, you know, even puberty hasn't even hit yet. So like, and even that's hard to deal with exactly. and there's so much coming down the road. Um, but like, mm-hmm. you know, like when your parents will say like, you know, you know, no one's going to hit you harder than life and you know, wait, wait till you get mm-hmm. out in the real world and all that. But that's like after high school and, and college and all that. But mm-hmm. like when, when you're eight, you're just learning how to tie your shoes for the pretty much. And you know, you're learning the most basic of things. And the fact that you're thinking about dying and now you're, you're trying to figure out the meaning of life and, you know, oh, these people, yeah. like, it's not a cartoon. These people don't come back anymore. You know, this isn't, right. you know, it's not no. an animated movie where they just make things up and it's like, oh, they revived them. And it's like, oh, yay. Like, this is real. Like that person, whoever it was that you saw now was dead. And maybe you had, even if you cared or didn't care, it's like, no, that person is no longer in your life anymore. And that's probably really hard as a, as a realization for a child. Yeah. No, it, yeah, I was, I'm glad I didn't go through with it. Let's just say that. And, um, you know, it did, it did manifest itself, you know, as I progressed. Um, I wasn't one of the people that was um, as direct about trying to kill myself, but I was doing it more in those kind of um, covert ways of let me, you know, go into the hospital because I drank the whole bottle of alcohol and almost died or I, you know, starved myself to a weight and stopped eating and worked out way too hard and thought, you know, maybe I could, my body would break down that way. I tried these kind of, uh, more self-destructive, um, ways of, of, of killing myself. But thank goodness, uh, none of them ever worked. Uh, I was strong enough to, to overcome them. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that, that's kind of what we were talking a little bit before we hit record is just how like screwed up your mind can be. And, and, you know, your oh, mind just yeah. tells you things like it, it, it tells you things that are good for you that are not. Um, and sometimes it, exactly. you know, sometimes it does the opposite. That's why I always say it's kind of like the little devil cartoon devil and angel. Like sometimes the, the, the angel is always overly positive and the other one is overly negative. And really they're kind of both wrong mm-hmm. and they're both going to set you up for failure. And then it's, yeah. it's kind of a balance of staying somewhere in the middle and kind of weaving around it. And your, your brain will tell you things and the weird part of what I don't think a lot of people talk about is your brain actually has logical reasons why this is good, even if it's bad. Mm. And especially, especially when you're young like that and, and just, you know, still trying to come to terms with what life is and all that. Like, and even, even when you're becoming an adult, it just has logical reasons of saying this is why this is good. And a lot of times we're not prepared for that and we don't have the same evidence to fire back at it. And your brain is always, mm-hmm. you know, like two steps ahead. So you're trying to, to like you're trying to catch up. And as you're catching up to its last, you know, thing it threw at you, um, it's already on to the next thing and it already knows what you're going to do. So it just goes, but, but what about this? And you're like, well, that's a good point. And mm-hmm. maybe I should start drinking again. You know, it's, you know, yep. I, yeah. Yeah. So I think that you, great. You made a great point, TJ. I, I mean, I think it's for, for those of us who've struggled with mental health conditions, especially it's so scary to realize that you can't trust the voice in your head and that the voice in our head, which is supposed to be logical and reasonable and keep us safe is actually the most destructive voice in the world. And when we listen to it, we are literally self-destructing. I, I mean, I couldn't understand why the voice was always yelling at me, you know, that 
you can't do this. You're not good enough. You know, you'll never make it. You know, you should just quit. You know, you should turn around. You're, you're not, you know, you did it wrong. And hearing that constant rating day in and day out, which was actually just my mind. I mean, of course we get, we fall deeper into issues like addiction, anxiety, depression. I mean, our, our mind is telling us to do basically the complete opposite of what we should do. I mean, I remember I, um, and I was an alcoholic and I, for a while I did stop drinking. Um, but I remember the second I stopped drinking, then all of a sudden I had this compulsive need to shoplift. It was so strange. And I just remember thinking, wow, I was like, there is something really chemically wrong in my brain. Like I need to be studied by, you know, by a scientist. Like there is seriously something wrong with me because it just seemed to shape shift. If it wasn't one thing, it became like you mentioned whack-a-mole. It became something else. Then it mm-hmm. transformed into something else. And, um, you know, for me, I just tried like many of the listeners out there. I mean, really my message is I tried so many things in terms of Western medicine, therapy, medication, and I even became a therapist. Um, but at the end of the day, I, the piece was missing was, was the me piece. I didn't realize that, that there was a me in any of this and that there was actually something that I could do about it, that I felt everything was out of my hands and out of my control. But um, yeah, I was able to get my, Get, get the reins back of my mind and my body and uh, get my power back. But yeah, it's, it's a wild ride when you're on that roller coaster of mental health, yeah. um, you know, disability. Um, yeah. No, I, I think Definitely. one of the things I think what people don't understand is when we say, like what you said with, with, you know, your brain will tell you to do this and do that. And it's not, unless you're like schizophrenic mm-hmm. or whatever, it's not a literal, you know, a, a real voice just screaming at you, but it's, it's just this feeling that just is pointing you in your mind is just thinking it's these thoughts that just pop mm-hmm. up of like, do this, do that. You're not, you know, and you're not this and you're not good enough for this and all that shit. And it's, yeah, and, and it just constant and it, sometimes it just gets louder or just gets, you know, it's kind of like if you were, uh, looking at something on your computer and all of a sudden it just like zoomed in. Now it's so much bigger and it's right in front of you. You just can't escape it. So then you go to turn around. Nope, it's right behind you. And it's just, and you're just running mm-hmm. from it and running from it and yeah. you just, you can't escape it. And it's, mm-hmm. there's times where, you know, I was just literally telling myself to, you know, shut the hell up. Cause it's like, just le- like, okay, all right, I get it. Like I suck, but I, I still need to do the yeah. dishes. Like Jesus Christ, can you leave me alone? Mm. Um, it, it, and again, I know and a lot of us don't, you know, especially in the beginning stages, we never want to talk about this stuff because we're so shameful. Um, because, you know, exactly. like you were saying with, with the shoplifting, like I had, I, I will, I've admitted, you know, when I was at my worst time, though I never acted this stuff out because I was such, I really, at, at heart, I'm a very like mushy, just romantic, just loving person. But I was thinking about raping. I was thinking about like assaulting women. Think like because because I was so yeah. unhappy. I wanted other people to hurt like me because a lot of people hurt me with being molested and bullied and all these things. I just yeah. wanted to get back whatever I lost because I lost a lot as a child. Um, I didn't have much yeah. of a childhood because so much happened to me. And uh, and the older you get, then you just get this resentment. And when you see people around mm-hmm. you unhappy, your brain is just triggered, and it's like. Come on, TJ. We can do. Yep. We can do better. And it's like we can do better, yes. but not what what you're telling me. Yep, hundred percent. No, thank you for sharing that, TJ. Because 
I, I know, you know, there's stigmas about, you know, hurting others and, and different kinds of thoughts, but I'm was right there with you when I was hurting so bad and I was so just overwhelmed by the thoughts in my head. And I just felt like I was like, you know, part of my friends for like the biggest POS, um, you know, known to man. I got, I started wanting to visibly, physically hurt and assault people. And I remember if I didn't do it, I thought about it, um, thought about, you know, harming um, other people in, in addition to myself and was just so, so angry that I didn't even really trust myself um, with other people there for a while because I just had so much anger and so much resentment like you shared like bottled up in me that it was just a ticking time bomb it was like a matter of time before I would just explode and I would there would be like once you know a blue moon but I would just go crazy and I would throw a massive temper tantrum and you know try to fight people and fight my family and bite and hit and kick. And, and I was in my twenties, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, yeah. I wasn't, I was an, uh, an educated, you know, I was getting my master's degree. I was here. I was acting like I was like a feral child. Um, but it's just from, you know, years of everything, you know, bottled up, it has to come out somehow. And so I can really relate to that. Yeah. And, and, and when you, in your case, you know, throwing in addiction, you throw in alcohol and, you know, whatever drugs or anything mm -hmm. that it helps to, mm -hmm. to kind of suppress your actual real thoughts and help to fight it. These things just kind of numb it. Exactly. And it's like if, if you hit somebody with your car and kill them, well, you wake up the next morning, we're sober. They're still dead. You might not care when you're exactly. drunk or, you know, high. But when you wake up the next morning and you do sober up, you're going to jail and your life is ruined. So you can't, you can't hide from everything. And, you know, the mental health is just, yep. just like exacerbated even more. It just continues on. And, um, yeah, it, it's just this mental thing you play with yourself yep. and, and you get to a point where you just go, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm just so screwed up. I'm crazy. Like no one will love me yep. because look at me, yep. like I'm awful, but it also kind of stems from the fact that most people aren't as honest as we are being right now about this. And that's yeah. why I'm really big on not skipping anything in my story or in any other one, anyone else's, mm. because I think if you leave out one part, someone can go through the exact same thing as you and I, and you leave out one thing, let's just say the thinking about hurting people. Well, then they're going to, they're going to automatically say, well, oh, they told their whole story. They admitted all these crazy things, but they didn't want to hurt anybody. I guess I'm the only one. So I'm screwed up. Right. And yeah, that's why I'm, I'm really big on that because I, I really, I've been in some of the worst spots just in the deepest, darkest mm -hmm. spots and, and feeling so alone. Yep. And I've said this many times, you could feel alone and you could be in a room with a thousand people. Like you could be at a sporting event mm -hmm. and feel super alone. You just, it, it yeah. might not make sense to most people, but when you're in those head spaces, you'll understand that mm -hmm. you just, you know, you just feel like there's not a person in the world that not only notices you, but doesn't give a shit about you. And that's, that's a hard yeah. reality to like swallow. That is. No, I, I agree. I call it the vacuum. <laughs> feels like I'm just in a vacuum and everything is going on and, and happening around me, but I'm like in a silence and no one can see me or touch me or reach me and no one cares. And you're right. You just be at the biggest event or, the, it, you know, with all of your quote unquote friends and yet feeling like, you know, I'm in the darkest, the darkest cave and the darkest pain. And yet, People think you're fine if you look fine, you know. People think you're you're okay if, unless you're screaming. And um, yeah. you know, I think it goes into to 
the addiction, you know, I know for a lot of us, that's why we get addiction because we were already so depressed or so anxious and we self-medicated. And that was true for me with alcohol. It was, you know, when I, I think I was 11, the first time I, I, I got drunk and I remember thinking, wow, like the voices in my head, the pain dissipated for that hour or two, like it went away and we do what we need to do to, to survive and to get that pain and that voice to go away. Unfortunately, sometimes it is things like alcohol or drugs um, to do so. Yeah. And just kind of quickly going back to what I was saying about being alone, like, um, you know, I, if anybody's been the sober person in a room full of drunk people, it's like that, but mm-hmm. much darker and much sadder. Because at least with that, you're just kind of annoyed and you're just like, oh, God, people. Like, really, I got to drive you people home or I got to just, I'm like, I'm the only one with a clear head. But it's that times, yeah. you know, 100 because you're just, you know, you're just, a lot of people are just happy and having fun and, and everything is just typical and normal and everyone's having a good time and you are just the absolute buzzkill. And even if, mm-hmm. even if people don't pick up on it, you notice it and you know how horrible you're being and you can't be yourself and you just look at everything that's happy and going on and you're just like this, I, I just wish like a fire would just go off and it, it you just think horrible mm-hmm. shit and it's, it's, it's really yeah. terrible. But again, you know, that's why I'm, I'm like, it takes a lot for me to judge or for me to like, you know, completely throw someone away, you know, like. I understand school shooters. I'm not saying I agree with what they do, but I know how someone gets to that point because the only re- the only yeah. thing that kept me from shooting up a school was I was a I was a very pussy of a kid. I was afraid of everything. And and my dad, the one my dad taught me when I was a kid that guns were bad. But if I I had the rage, I had the sadness. You know, same thing with with you know raping or or whatever. Like I was molested, like I I actually tried that pass that on in someone in in the neighborhood luckily you know it didn't go on much longer and it wasn't too bad but mm-hmm. i wanted to just do whatever you know because that's why i thought you showed love because that's what someone did to me and it's it's it type if you don't yeah. you know if you don't really cut you know break the chain especially and as a kid it's really hard to do because you know mm. your parents and family they're the they're the ones that are teaching you everything and then teachers and and people come later um but yeah, it, it's it's hard because the world can be really rough and some people get really lucky, yeah. but there are some that just have a shit storm waiting for them. And when it happens, it just, it, it never, it feels like a never ending cycle and your mind goes with it. Mm. Well said. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really hard. It, 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 you know, like where I'm at today, as much as I am in a better place, I still struggle. I still battle with my mental health and whatever, but I'm in a such better place, but I still have days where I'm, I'm just depressed about some stuff and I'm down. And again, I, I wake up every day and my eyes are, it takes an hour to fluctuate. And there's a lot of things that just really hit mm-hmm. me every day. But, um, but I don't look for excuses. I don't look for pity parties either. I just, it just sucks. Cause it's just, it's, it, it you know, it, it's a constant reminder of, you know, what could have been, what is and all that. But, you know, I, I, I that's yeah. why I like doing this because I can use my pain to help others and then have other people like you yeah. who've been through s- different things, but still similar in, in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, I agree. And yeah, I think, I think it's just, it's so hard when you, when you're suffering and when we have, you know, whether that's physical disability, whether that's a chronic illness, that's a disability or an emotional disability, it, 
we feel like that there's no, we're told by our doctors that there's, you know, these are chronic, that we'll never get rid of them, that they're lifelong. I mean, and for me, what's more depressing than being told that, that you have this chronic condition that you can never get better from. And I know for me, I believed that for so long that it became true until I realized for me that it wasn't and that there was something I could do about it. But when we're told by the people that we trust um, the most, which for many of us, that's our doctors, that there's nothing we can do and just to live with these, these conditions. I mean, how, how can one not be depressed from that? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've, I've been in really good moods going into an eye doctor's appointment and then, you know, I become a, a, a like a lab rat and they start telling me all these things. And then it's like, you know, they use all these big word terminology, you know, doctor terminology, medical terminology. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, you know, in, in layman's terms, your eyes are completely scarred over and this and this, and this is why this and this, and look over here, here's more scar tissue. And then and you just like, you just feel like shit. You're just like, oh, like I, I came in here feeling good. <laughs> and and it, it, you know, it, cause you just, you, you just want to hold on to something. You want some sort of light to hold on to yeah, in every way possible. Like even if you're watching a new show, like you want to know that this isn't like, you know, you don't mind it being a season finale, but you don't want it to be the show finale. Like you want to know that there's more episodes coming. And if you can't hold on to something, yeah. like if there's not that light, it's really hard to even care about life or, or you know, or, or at least to get out of a funk. Because you're like, well, what am I, yeah. what am I getting out of bed for? For, for more pain, whether it's you know physical yeah. or mental. Like, what is the point? Um, and you have to find like what that point is. That's a great point about you know that takes me back to just that feeling of I, I remember that place of like I would prefer to have stayed in bed because the pain of living and the pain of getting up was so great. And when you're told everything is lifelong, it's like, it is, it's so easy just to say, kind of throw up your hands and say, what's the point? And, um, I know for me, I'm so thankful, um, that I sought the advice of a certain, a, a doctor and he was able to look at me and tell me, Hey, you know, what some of these doctors are telling you and the, the treatments that they're giving you. He's like, I don't think they're ethical. Like, I don't think that they should be doing this with you. I think that they're, um, you know, charging your insurance company way too much. I think they're in it for the money. I think you should reevaluate what you have. And him just telling me something different than what everyone else had told me really was my kind of health awakening. And, and it, and it cracked, I cracked and I started to reassess everything that I'd been diagnosed with and everything my doctors had told me and started looking into different ways to heal myself because I was in that, you know, psychiatrist, Western medicine, therapy, medication place. And I didn't even think that there could be something different than that. So him telling me, I don't think they're treating you right. And I was getting worse all helped me have an awakening to see, okay, you know, to to search out other kinds of alternative methods. Um, And that really did starting on that pathway is where then I started to get myself back and start to get hope again right do you do you kind of remember like what your you know what the, what they would consider your bottom like your darkest day or darkest days oh yeah that's a re- that's a really good question tj um you know i think for those of us with with so many struggles you could probably pinpoint a couple a couple p- parts but um i'd be a little graphic for those of you out there but you know i 
I love this audience. I trust you guys. I know we're all in the same boat here, but there was, uh, I'd say probably my early twenties when I was in graduate school, um, I was drinking heavily, um, and was also, I had a, the eating disorder, bulimia okay. and anorexia. So bulimia is where you throw up your food. And I was literally throwing up like probably four or five times a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in my body, like I would have, I was so malnourished and had so little electrolytes, you know, and nutrients in me, like I could barely function. And then at night I would go out on the weekends and part, try to party with my friends and, and get really drunk and, um, you know, drive and do really, this really reckless behavior. So the combination of the drinking and the driving and, and the throwing up and the not eating and, you know, the, the autoimmune disorders and causing me to stay in bed for, you know, days on end. I really just thought I was like a skeleton at that point. I just thought like I was just in so much physical and emotional pain. I just wanted, I just wanted my life to end. Like I just hoped that I would one day go to sleep and I would never wake up. And I would say probably at that point it all kind of came to a head because it's just like physically I was just drained emotionally. I couldn't take the pain anymore and and mentally like the voices in my head were so loud and i was in such unhealthy behaviors with my addiction and my eating disorders that i felt like that there was i had no hope to ever be a healthy human so i just yeah at that point i'd say that'd probably be one of my one of my more rock bottom places um yeah and you were so yeah, probably, so amazing you probably had very little energy and and Oh my gosh. Yeah. When you're, it's kind of like if you were, and again, I, I, I could contribute to something in my story, but cause I've never had that mm-hmm. necessarily, but I, I've, I've been in really bad shape health wise. And it's kind of like when yeah. you're, when you're like half asleep and you just have no energy, but random thoughts creep in, like you're, you're in a really like, except for the fact that your health is in bad shape and you can't really, you can't fight it. Like that's where the mental stuff kicks in. Cause you start really having these just crazy thoughts and if your if your body just can't move properly and and you're exhausted and like just God knows what runs through your head, so it's easy to just continue the cycle of you know just negativity because it's like look at you like you're mm-hmm. fucking you're half dead in a way and you yep. can't move and you know like I said it's like when you're half asleep you have all these crazy thoughts and sometimes for me like I've had those certain thoughts. And then I'm like, well, when I wake up in the morning, if I still remember it and I still think it's a good idea, maybe I'll do it. But when you're in like a mm-hmm. bad place, it's usually all bad thoughts. And you just... Exactly. And your mind, like mentally, the more your mind brings you down, the more your body's just kind of going with it. It's like, well, screw it. We're just going to lay here and just be half dead. Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm a big proponent. Like, you know, people might call it the mind-body connection, but... I know that my mental health predated my physical health deteriorating. And there was a very marked link to that, that, you know, when I was stressed, when I was in those dark places, when I was anxious, when I was depressed, that's when my flare ups would happen. You know, that's, that's when I would get more food allergies. That's where I would get so much inflammation in my body. And that's where I'd be in bed for a couple of days or I'd get migraines or big sinus infections or, arthritis like that's when my whole body would flare up was when mentally I was the most stressed and unable to handle my life hands down how frightening is that like as a person like I know but just for for you know for you like how frightening is that 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 your mind can manifest all those things just 
just by, you know, horrible thoughts? Well, I think that's a really good question, TJ, because I think it's a two part the two sides of that coin. On one hand, on one side, of course, it's, I mean, it's, it's terrifying. I mean, the, the, the scariest thing to think that these chronic health conditions that I was facing were coming from me and the thoughts in my head. Like, if I told someone that, they'd think I was crazy, but I knew it was true. But on the other hand, I, from my experience, knowing that it's coming from me and the thoughts that I have is actually one of my keys and my um, ways out. It, I see it as very empowering. Because once I realized that it was coming from me and my mind and my thoughts, then I started to realize, oh, like, I'm in control of me. I, I, that is, I am the one person I am in charge of, and I can do something about that. Whereas if my, let's just say my mental health was handed to me in a package by somebody else or was given to me by something else, then I couldn't do anything about it. But if it's the voices and the, the, the thoughts, even though they're some of the worst you can imagine that we all have, if they're coming from us, we can do something about that. And that for me was a big shift in perspective when it came to my mental health and how I started treating it differently. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So this is something that I thought of recently, like a couple of days ago. Uh, like when I was in my like worst things, and again, when I, when I was saying about who I wanted to hurt and all that, there was still like mm-hmm. a, there was still a small part of me in there, and that I was holding on to. So one of the things that that I noticed that like I knew mm-hmm. TJ was still there is that I'd never wanted to hurt animals because animals never did anything wrong to me, and I loved animals. Right. And maybe maybe with my cat, like I wasn't as affectionate with her, affectionate with her as much as I should have been. But I still never, like, mm-hmm. never even had a thought of just kicking her or, or just any animal, even even a squirrel or something. Um, was there something in there that you, like, remember, like, that you knew, like, Josie was, like, still there, even though it, it's now in hindsight? Because back then, it, you know, I, I, I realized this many, many years later. But um, was there something that you, like, remember that, like, oh, you, you were still there, regardless of how bad it got? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question, TJ. I didn't even think about that for a second. You're just boosting my I mean, ego. <laughs> no, no, thanks. That, no, that was great. I've never even thought about that before. Yeah, I just but thought of it of the other course, day for myself. No, that's a great question because for those of us who come out and have survived, of course, they mean, there, there, of course, there was something. Like I think of it like a, like a, like a candle inside of us, and I just knew that there was like this flicker inside of me that it never totally went out sometimes that that light was very very dim Mm -hmm. but it was just something inside of me um that i was like a fighting mentality but i just knew that i had more i needed to do in my life if that makes sense like regardless of how much i was trying to end my life or how sick my body became with my autoimmune I knew just somewhere deep inside of me that I wasn't going to die because I needed to do some big things in my life. And that that time had not come yet. So I think it was really that feeling that I was here for a greater purpose. And also coupled with the fact that, you know, I would have moments where I would go on a hike or I would jump in the water or I would have an interaction with a friend and I would have moments of freedom or peacefulness or connection with nature or animals 
that told me that there was a world out there that I wasn't accessing, <laughs> but that was there. And that if I could just figure myself out, I might be able to live in that place more often. Um, that kind of like a uh, little kibble, you know, like little, little, little treats that got me, um, to keep moving forward that it wasn't all bad. You know, we'd always, I'd have those bright moments from time to time that told me, you know, there's a lot more out to this world and a lot more um, for me to explore than I even know. Um, and I think it was just those, those warm and loving moments that I'd have from time to time, plus the combination of knowing that I, that I was here for, for a greater purpose that, that pushed me through um, those times where I really wanted just to end my life. Quite honestly, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. That, it, that's something I've I've been like a big proponent of, just constantly, uh, fi- you know, I think everyone feels like, oh, what are they holding on? Like it has to be something big that they, they're holding on to. Like I mentioned earlier about like a show, mm. even though it was an analogy. Like if a show, if, if you're waiting for season three of something, or whatever season, blah blah blah, and it's coming out in two months, well, that means you want to live for two months. And then those two months, yeah. okay, so then that weekends, let's say you binge watch it in a couple of days. Well, two months go by, you may find something else you want to hold on to. A song, you know, maybe an album's coming out at the end of the year or another movie's coming out or, or another show or movie. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just the way you keep pushing. And that's why, like, I've told people when, when my, the cat at the time, when I was going through my worst of times, I, I've said that I don't think I'll ever love anything that like, I loved her. Now, the cat I have now is wonderful, and he's actually more affectionate than her. But she got me through so mm. many horrible days that I can't explain yes. that there's no one ever did that for me. And I just, my mom sacrificed a lot for me. So people did a lot for me. But my cat got me through some of the worst of times. And that's why I said I'll never, I don't think I'll ever love anything like I loved her. Um, and again, I, I, you can, you know, she was a good cat, very affectionate. But, you know, I think the cat I have now is more affectionate. It's just she got me through the worst times, and, and I'll never forget that. And there's certain things like a video game system that I had from the 90s that I've, I've held on to because it got me through that too. Like I don't even play it, yeah. but it's just the nostalgia of it, and hmm. it's just there. And, um, you know, it's I wouldn't say it's a security blanket. It's just one of those things that you just, you know, like I still have a stuffed animal from when I was in the hospital nearly dying, and I, I never got oh. rid of it because, like, again, when I was a kid and I was – I, at one point, you know, I've told the audience this many times, but I had no skin and I was, you know, from an allergic yeah. reaction to medication and I was dying, but I was still smiling. I was still having fun because I had my toys. And, and though I was in immense pain, I made up this imaginary world with my toys and my music and my video or uh, my stuffed animals. And I just was like lost in that. And that's what helped get me through this numbness and, and through this pain that is just tearing me apart from the outside and mm-hmm. inside. Um, and then, and, you know, and with the mental health stuff, that was more of a, an adult, but that's, I kind of moved that on with animals and video games. Uh, so whatever really helps. And that's, again, there's always a little part of you because when you're born, you're, you're completely innocent and then life hits you. Exactly. And then all of a sudden, like you lose, I mean, you lose parts of yourself, but you could come out of it on the other side, a better, or at least, you know, as good a person as you were before you got hit with all that shit. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. That's a great point about the animals. I, I can really resonate with that. I had a cat and when I was growing up, and I tell you what, like, that cat saved my life. Um, yeah. You know, I couldn't, didn't know how to articulate. I think I was about in seventh grade, so probably about 13 at the time. And I didn't know how to articulate what I was experiencing in terms of depression 
And so I kept it silent, but like that cat knew and my cat, um, you know, would, would sleep with me at night and put its paw around me and could just feel, I knew it could feel the sadness and was able to, I don't know, be there and communicate with me in a way that words didn't need. And I've always felt that connection, especially with cats. Uh, I'm a cat person, so, yeah, um, but it, you know, it's, it's important to find hope in a dark place um, so that we can, we can know that there's a way out because you made a great point, you know, and then this has been my, it's, it's kind of my philosophy all along is that we're not people traditionally born into this world with these conditions. You know, generally we're all born, we're born healthy little human beings. So the fact that we went into a place of disability or went into a place of chronic health or addiction, um, to me, it's just a sign, oh, like there's a malfunction in my body. How can I get myself, my body back on track so that I, that it goes back to the way that it used to be? Um, and also taking the learnings and the lessons, lessons from the struggles that we've all had um, to better understand, um, I think, you know, others, the pain people go through. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you said you had bulimia and anorexia. Can you guys tell people what the difference is? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so bulimia is where, and, and it can show up in different ways. So just, um, well, yeah. So bulimia is where you, in, in some, you throw up the food that you eat. Mm-hmm. Um, now, typically, I know for me and a lot of people who've had bulimia, it, is a, it was kind of like an anxiety um, coping mechanism because when you, we would throw up, for a good maybe 30 seconds, everything kind of goes numb in our brain and all the worries and the fears and the things we were scared about or procrastinating or the stress seems to go away temporarily. So it was kind of like almost a te- like a temporary drug. I would be anxious. I would eat my food. I would throw it up. And suddenly my anxiety would go away very temporarily. Also, for those of us who have distorted body images like myself and like many people with eating disorders, um, I thought that I was overweight when I wasn't. So I used my bulimia as a technique to keep my weight down, um, but appear to people that I was eating. So I would eat a lunch and everyone else would digest it. And then I would go in the bathroom and I would throw it up at some point. Um, and also, um, you know, and it also can come out in a, in a way of kind of bin, binging and purging where someone would go, and this is what I would do from time to time, like would go to a grocery store or go to a restaurant with the intention that like, I'm going to eat as much as I can so I can throw out my food um, to numb out my feelings. So I would go and buy like, you know, like a huge cake for 12 people. <laughs> or a massive thing of ice cream and, you know, huge packs of cookies and I would eat like all of it. Mm-hmm. And then I would throw it all up. And in that process of the binging and purging, it was a way to, again, kind of like a drug to numb out how bad I felt and also hopefully not gain any weight and um, lose weight in the process. Um, although I know many people who are maybe considered even overweight or just normal weight, who struggle with bulimia. So you just can never tell um, from someone's weight, whether or not they struggle. Um, You know, I recently went to the dentist and and I haven't struggled. I haven't had an eating disorder for about seven years. It's been about seven years since I was bulimic, but um, I am 
have yeah which is like you know probably one of the more, more proud things of my lifetime because it was i thought that was definitely going to be something that really take me down but unfortunately i still have um uh like acid erosion on the back of my teeth because of those years so mm-hmm. i'm i have to take extra good care of uh, my teeth these days because of that um but hey i mean if that's all that that was kind of left over from that i'll take it yeah, um, I mean, I don't, I don't and, know how updated your pictures are, but you're a very attractive woman. So, I mean, you look good. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't see you at your worst, but I mean, you definitely look like you're, you know, eating and healthy. So that, that's good. yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I am. I uh, since becoming healthy, I gained about forty pounds. I would say uh, so. Now I'm at a healthy, normal weight uh, for my height and height and age and such. But yeah, uh, Is that before weird I, be, uh, I really wasn't. Is that weird to be a woman and brag about like gaining weight? <laughs> you know, uh, it was, I say for a while, but I, I am proud of it. Yeah. It, it is, yeah, a, it be, is a, yeah. yeah, I say it is a, I don't say challenge isn't the right word, but it's just a constant relationship as a female that I have with my body and my body image. Um, you know, uh, so the bulimia and then the, you know, the anorexia and anorexia for those of you out there who haven't struggled or know someone, is where you you restrict your calories um, or you just don't eat um, so that you rapidly lose weight and then you also just don't eat so that you can maintain a certain weight. So, you know, I might not, for day, there'd be like days that I wouldn't eat, you know, maybe two or three days in a row or even weeks that I would barely eat anything. Or if I did eat, I would be eating like the lowest calorie, you know, celery or cucumbers or you know, low fat salads and, and no dressings. And, you know, you just, you're barely eating and you're not giving your body enough calories to, to make it so that uh, you will lose um, weight. But how so, does that work yeah. with like the bulimic? Cause it, like, you're talking about getting a whole cake and then, you know, p- you know, making yourself yeah. go up and up. So how does that work? Cause they're kind I mean, they're, they're similar, but also opposite in a lot of ways too. Yeah. It's, that's a great question. They really, they were like, uh, the two, two really bad little devils on each side of the shoulder because, um, it's, it, it's hard to say. I, I favored both, uh, anorexia and bulimia, but let's say I was in more of an anorexic phase, but then you just get so hungry. I'm just going to be honest with you. Like you get so hungry cause you're not eating anything. Yeah. And then you try your willpower, like don't eat, don't eat, don't eat. And then you might snap and it's, you know, say it's college and it's, you know, one in the morning and your friends order dominoes and you're like, Oh, and you have a bite of the pizza and your body is like, oh my gosh, like hasn't had calories in days. And you just eat a bunch, you eat like three or four slices. Yeah, it could then your like mind shit and you're just kicks like, in. yeah, anything. Yeah. yeah. Anything. I mean, it's anything. And all of a sudden you're just like shoving it in your mouth like you're in Survivor, you know, and you hadn't eaten for days. And so when that happens, your mind kicks in and it's like, uh-oh, danger. You just inhaled, you know. 2000 calories, you're going to, you're going to gain five, 10 pounds. Um, so that's then the bulimia would kick in. You say, Oh, I got to purge this. I can't keep this in my body. I don't want to, I don't want the calories. I don't want to gain weight. So then you'd go and you'd throw it up. Um, but then you'd be hungry again. So then you might eat too much. And then, so it was just this terrible cycle of starvation and then overeating and then purging and then starving for days because you, you binged. So it's a very opposite. It's a great point, but they do for those of us who've been challenged with eating disorders. No, they, they oddly uh, all play into each other. 
Yeah. yeah. No, I, I yeah, because most people either usually have one or the other, but when they have both, like that's that's why I was so fascinated about it. Um, I, 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 I'm sure you heard this, and, and this might be a really weird question, but you know, I've heard people make fun of like, oh, okay, only in America we can have conditions, mm. we can have you know these eating disorders where people are you know shoving their fingers down their throat, where kids are starving in Africa. Like, did you ever have like when you were really like in your right mind, did you ever have any kind of guilt? Because there, again, oh, yeah. not that you should have, but like the fact that there's such poverty and there's kids that are just, they can't have anything mm -hmm. and you have the financial wealth or, you know, the meanings mm -hmm. to get whatever you want and you're just, you know, throwing it all away, literally, but, or throwing it all up, literally. I should say. Yeah. No. Yeah. That, that's a great question, TJ. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely did. It, it's like you're, you feel guilty, so guilty. And I know those of all of you out there who struggle with, maybe mental health or behavioral issues. I mean, we do feel guilty because we know we're doing something usually in secret that we shouldn't be doing. So we already feel terrible about ourselves. But then I know for me, um, you know, and this could be same for someone with a, you know, a drug problem as well. Here I was throwing all this money down the toilet, buying food that I was never actually consuming, you know, spending money like a grocery bill on food when I knew it was never going to go inside of me and it was going to end up in a toilet anyway, knowing that there not only in other countries can people not afford basic food, but even in this country, there are people that struggle, you know, with, you know, poverty, not getting the necessary nutrients and the food that they need. And here I was wasting the money that I had, the extra money that I had because I was lucky enough to have, to have some extra on something that I wasn't even going to be consuming um, and that was self-destructive to me. So of course, yeah, hands down, I felt so guilty. Like yeah. who am I to be doing this behavior when this food is a basic necessity that so many people in the world don't even have much access to at all. Right. Yeah. That's my last question really on this. Cause I'm just, I'm very fascinated by it, but I think it's just to get, it's good to get that kind of information out because it's not many people talk about it. Honestly, you rarely even hear about eating disorders anymore. I remember when I was young, that was a thing I heard about a lot of like teenage girls would do, but I mean, now that we're so yeah. distracted by so many other things now, uh, you know, cause in, you and I are, you're only one year older than me and, and you know, yeah. we, we kind of are the first, like the last generation where we like kind of remember before the internet. Like very like mm -hmm. e even if the internet was there, Good it was point. it was very basic, and it w even before dial up and all that, so we didn't really have a lot of the information until like when I got in towards the end of high school. That's when the second iPhone came out, and it was like, oh, you can send text and pictures and all that, and that was like, holy holy shit, like this is crazy. Um, mm -hmm. And now I lost my train of thought. Uh, uh, oh, I was gonna add, like, do you do you consider like some of the, what the eating is, or do you do you consider any of that like was it addictive? Because I know there, there people are addicted to food, but is it addictive? Because you're also throwing it up. But I mean, in a way, maybe you like the feeling. I don't know. I have no idea. I'm just asking. Yeah. No, that's a great question. I would say 100% eating disorders are an addiction. 100%. And and I can say that definitively. For my own experience, because I have had other addictions like um, like alcohol that I know and shopping, but definitely alcohol. But I um, that eating disorders are definitely for me were an addiction. There was two parts to it. So with the bulimia, the food was I was like 
addicted to the binging of the, the food. Like I would just like someone who is an alcoholic has nightmares or dreams about alcohol, or let's say you quit smoking and you still have dreams about smoking. I would have dreams of going to the grocery store and buying and eating like cakes and candies and ice creams and all of the like quote unquote forbidden foods. And my body was actually like chemically craving like, like ter- like not good foods such as, you know, processed foods, foods that were high in calories, high in sugar, mm-hmm. because my body was so malnourished that it like needed those really high calorie things. It was craving those high calorie things because I wasn't giving it anything. So I was addicted to those kinds of foods. Like I couldn't trust myself at a birthday party. If there was a cake there and people weren't looking, I would take slices like and eat it in secret or like hide them in my purse. Like I was always looking for ways to get that kind of food. I would shoplift like, boxes of donuts and stuff from the grocery store um embarrassingly but so there's that aspect of this literally like a chemical addiction to the food yeah. itself yeah. Um, but also on the other hand when you're so thin and this is more on the anorexic side when you're just so thin and people are giving you so much attention for your body telling you how great you look and wow you know all this and that there's an addiction to the attention that you get for being thin Right, right. Um, that, yeah. And yeah, like I really thought I would lose everything in my life and everyone because I thought everyone and everything were my friends or they were um, wanted me around simply because of how I looked and how thin I was. I was convinced everything was wrapped up into that. So okay. I was again, yet yeah, food yeah, and the, the attention. No, but I'm sorry to continue on, but I just want to throw like, were you ever a bigger person? Like, did you, were you ever chubby or overweight? Oh, that, that, that that's the, I don't say the crazy, I, I'm going to be honest to the old listeners out there. I never was. Yeah. I, I thought I was larger in high school. Um, and like, you can probably relate to this TJ, you know, growing up in kind of the, the early, early aughts of the you know, the, the 2000s, uh, the look at that time was very waist thin. It was very, it was ribbed, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. it was like the, the, the bone sticking out look, you know, the low slung jeans, but the crop top, the like mm-hmm. really, really emaciated look. And so the girls at my high school really looked like that for the most part. And so at that time I thought I was overweight when I was really just probably like, you know, five, six, 135 pounds. Yeah. Um, but I, but to me, I thought I was, I was, I was that, uh, compared to the people in the magazines and the people at my school. Um, so, you know, I probably got down to around 90, 98, I think pounds at my, uh, probably one of my lowest points, um, wow. in the nineties, but, um, was around, I'd say 110 to 120 for pounds for probably, I don't know, 10, 10 or so years when really like 150 pounds is my, you know, that's my healthy weight. So right. yeah. <laughs> my, uh, yeah, yeah. It not seem like a lot. It reminds me of this movie that's called precious. It, it's, it, it was a really sad movie, mm. but in, in the movie, yeah. she's this overweight black girl who's, who's just going through abuse from her mother and just life. And she ends up getting AIDS and it, it, a bunch of horrible things happened to her. I think it's based on a true story as well. But, uh, there's a part in the movie where she sees herself in the mirror as this like skinny white girl. Cause that's what she wants to be. That's all she sees. And, and she just does so much damage to herself, but she's trying to just 
you know, she's trying to uh, attain this this image that's never ever possible, and uh, and she, I think it was the one thing that kind of helped her get through all the pain and sorrows that she was going through. But it it it's really it was really sad. I mean, good movie, but sad. Mm. Like, don't watch it and think you're going to get some something good out of it because it just gets worse and worse. Um, oh yeah. But um, so you you highlighted this in your profile, and, and I haven't heard you talk about it. where does like the the food allergies come from. Oh, that's yeah, that's a great question. So, because you love food what, and you're, you're like, doing all these things with food, but now there's food allergies, so like it, it just gets worse. And there's food allergies. It's you're it did. It was it unraveled. Well, it's funny. It was no, funny is not the right word, but it's 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 fascinating because on one hand, uh, I developed food allergies right after college uh, when really my autoimmune disorder started to kick off after college. Um, the stress of graduating tip my body over the edge and, and suddenly my immune system went haywire and started attacking many parts of my body. But, uh, food allergies were a result. Um, Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune disorder was a result. Um, so yeah, it was here. I was being someone who was, you know, eating in secret, binging and purging, but also starving myself and working out, you know, like a maniac as well to kind of get all those calories down and out. Um, and then all of a sudden I was told that I was allergic to so many foods. And on one hand, it was like, oh, no. But on the other hand, it was great because someone being someone with an eating disorder, you already don't, you want an excuse to not have to eat food. So all of a sudden, I had this package perfect reason to not be able to eat certain foods or let's say high calorie foods in front of people. I could eat the salad or I could bring the steamed vegetables or I could eat, you know, bone broth for Thanksgiving and no one would question me because I had food allergies. But the more that I, I guess the longer that I struggle with food allergies, the more foods I took out of my diet, the worse my food allergies actually became until the point um, before I found, you know, the, the program that I now teach. Um, I was allergic to all but five foods. But to be honest, that did keep me from eating other foods. I just would pay the price of it. Um, you know, both in my health and yeah, in, in my health and inflammation. Um, but yeah, I was allergic to all but five foods. Uh, it was a really uh, a disabling experience, to say the least. Yeah, oh, I'm sure. Um, now you kind of briefly went over it earlier, but what what was it that kind of like changed all this? Because you obviously you're in a just a mess. Like you're in this world that you're just you're <laughs> yeah. you're evaporating literally as a person. You're just getting worse and worse. But what was it that kind of changed? you from, you know, kind of getting to where you are now? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, I was, I was, I was a mess just like many of us out there, you know, nothing different about me. Um, but I did, I, after college, I had food allergies, autoimmune disorders, and I ended up getting, had um, eight autoimmune disorders by the end of my journey, in addition to my mental health and addiction problems. And, it just got to the point where I was just seeing so many doctors for things like, you know, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, eczema, MS, lupus. Um, I had an immune disorder where I was told if I were to get a cold or anything that I could die because my immune system was so non-existent. So, I, you know, I just got to this point where I said, okay, like I, I need to find something different. And that doctor telling me that what I was being treated with wasn't, wasn't really working was really helpful because I was like, okay, I think he's right. 
so I started to look into more alternative um, medicine pathways, and I actually came across an alternative medicine practitioner here in Denver, Colorado, who took one look at me and said, hey, like, you need to contact this, this organization here. She was like, they work with people like you who have health conditions and mental health conditions that doctors don't have any explanation for. And that was me. You know, doctors could not figure me out. So I, I was, you know, had quit my work at that point, had no job, <laughs> really had nothing going on. So I said, sure. And I called the organization up, um, joined a clinical study that they were having for a year on chronic illness. And within about two months of just working on stress and learning a new way of handling myself and my life, I started healing, you know, I, that the anxiety, the chronic anxiety that I woke up with every morning, like I started to notice it wasn't there. And I started to notice my depression was fading and going away. I wasn't sad for no reason. And I didn't feel chronically bad about myself anymore. That little voice started to just dissipate. Um, I was able to eat normal foods again without allergic reactions. Um, and also over time, it took a little longer, but my eating disorder just started to fade away. I, I didn't have that compulsive urge to eat and, and throw up or to calorie count. I started eating normal, normally again. Um, a craving for alcohol which had been with me since I was, you know, very young, uh, went away, which was amazing because, you know, uh, addiction runs in my family, just like I'm sure many out there in the audience, true for them, mm. went away. Um, my ADD, I wasn't constantly thinking about a million things all at once and distracted and getting nothing done. I noticed myself and my body starting to slow way down. And um, in addition to that, this is a... Autoimmune disorders that I had had started to just go away too, to the point where I realized that I didn't have any of this stuff anymore. And I realized I didn't need to see, keep seeing my therapist anymore because there was nothing that I was actually really struggling with. And all of the chronic uh, mental health conditions that I had within about, you know, I'd say a couple months, they all started to go away. But within six months, it was very clear that I was on another plane that I was going back to a place of health that I hadn't been almost my whole life. Um, and it, it was like a, an awakening, like the, the world opened up and the brain, my brain chemistry went back to normal again. I didn't get, I wasn't fighting against myself anymore. I wasn't getting those crazy urges and cravings and that terrible voice telling me to do the, the worst thing possible for myself. I actually started to have, like a kind and loving voice that was, was guiding me and nurturing me and, and wanting the best for me. And it was uh, profound in just learning a new way of handling stress in my life. Um, I know our founder, so the, who is my teacher, he developed this work. He's the only person in the world who does this. He came up with it on his own to heal himself from um, some of his different chronic struggles. And uh, it, it's, not only saved my life, um, it changed my life so profoundly that I studied um, for five years under him and now teach others um, the same path that I took and uh, been here for almost two years. 
and I have a hundred percent success rate with all my students. They've all outgrown the chronic health conditions and mental health conditions um, that they've come in with just like I did. So um, definitely not conventional. And I know it can be hard to hear because we're told these conditions are lifelong, but I know I'm proof that they don't have to be. And my students um, are too. So yeah, no, uh, I, I that was my turning point. I'll have to look into it myself. I mean, I don't have a lot of chronic pain anymore, but I have the, the mental stuff. Uh, now, is it a lot of yeah. um, like exercise, whether it's physical, mental exercise, or or is it more, you know, medicine, like alternative medicine? No, that's a great. Yeah, no, that's a great question. It's actually neither, which I know can't <laughs> doesn't make much sense because we're told, well, we either do medicine or supplements or food, or we have to do you know physical things, exercising, yoga, meditation, um, but we don't use any of those things. What we do is, I, I look at it like we're if we have a mental health condition or you know an internal disability um, or chronic illness, it's just a sign that we weren't well wired to handle the stressors of our life. And the way to fix that is we just need to learn how to do life. So I tell my students, I teach them the book of how to do life, which really is just teaching us as humans, how to handle ourselves and stress in life in a new productive way that no one's ever taught us. Realizing that, you know, it's all in our hands, that our behaviors matter, that what we do determines the life that we have. And it's very, very straightforward. It's very practical. I, I tell people this, and this is no joke. Currently, my youngest student is 10 years old. And my oldest student is 72. And I teach them all the same basic material of how to do life and understand life from a new perspective that no one's taught us. Um, and uh, it's, it's, again, it's something that we all need and can all learn. And learning that helps our physical bodies make the shift. Um, and this is a little bit of science here, but this is what I teach. Um, helps our bodies make the shift from a nervous system that we currently live in when we're chronically ill, mental health, etc., which is the sympathetic nervous system. What I teach allows the body to move into the nervous system we are born to live in, which is the parasympathetic nervous system, where the body naturally heals and self-repairs itself on its own. Brain chemistry goes back to normal um, body functioning, you know, as long as it's not too degenerative goes back to normal as well and people are able to regain themselves and their health and mental health back. That's awesome. Well, I might have to become a student. <laughs> so, Yeah, um, well, yeah, happy to share more. It's, uh, I, I like just like you, TJ, like I know you teach, you do this wonderful podcast because of your experience and you what you've lived through and that's exactly the same for me. I, I teach what I teach because I've lived through it and I know it from my own experience and um, yeah, you know, I think that there's really something to be said about people who are teaching from a place of actually having gone through it. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm still, you know, in the trenches with the, the mental health stuff. I mean, I, I, it's way better than it used to be for sure, but it's, yeah. it, you know, my, my days are days or hours. They're not months and they're not weeks. Um, but, uh, mm. and, and I recover very quickly. And then I, even, even if it takes a day, I wake up the next morning and I'm pretty jolly and whatever. 
but I still take antidepressants yeah. and things like that. But, um, but one of the things I, I do respect or appreciate what I have done, not because I'm not a big fan of just saying all the good things I do, but, uh, is that I, even if it's not just with this or, you know, Instagram or Facebook lives, I tend to show all of the emotions I go through, not just, Hey guys, mm. I'm doing great. Cause if I'm sad about something, like I just had a friend who shot herself and killed herself. Like mm. I wasn't happy about that. Yeah. Um, but I've also showed real right. emotion, just me and like why I feel this way. And, and, um, like there's an episode I haven't put out that I think at some point I'm just going to make it like. There's like two episodes I have, but one of them is, is me just being like super depressed on New Year's and just kind of showing what I went through. Mm. I just didn't want to push any of the guests out of the way. And and so I might just put it out one day just randomly and just say like this was like a lost episode or something. But it's just me. I'm yeah. not embarrassed by it. I just literally couldn't. Uh, I mean, you know, I'm, I wouldn't want to hear it, but I'm not embarrassed of what I said or whatever in it because it's how I really felt at the time. I was super lonely and depressed and, and it was this past New Year's. Um, but I just could not move any of the guests out of the way. I didn't want to do that. Um, but, uh, mm. yeah, I, I like to show how I really feel. And like, if I'm not feeling it, I may say it in the beginning of the episode, like, yeah, guys, like great episode, but I just mentally was depressed or I was angry or I was just not feeling cause I'm, it, 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 it's up and down with me. Uh, it's more up, but yeah. you know, and I, I just, cause I don't think it's, I don't think it's, I think it's kind of disingenuous if you, especially when you're going through it and you, you, you're quote unquote, like advocate for it and you only want to show yeah. the good stuff because that's not real and people can't relate to just good stuff. And I think a lot of people nowadays say that they're, they're disabled advocates or, or, or mental health advocates, mm -hmm. but they, they don't really have a lot of experience with it. It's they, they know people who have experienced it. And to me, I trust people who have been through the hell way more than somebody exactly. who has a degree on what it's like to go <laughs> through that hell. doesn't mean that they're not valid. It doesn't mean that they're what they're saying isn't true or doesn't come from a good place, but I rather trust somebody who's been through the shit um, way more than somebody with a, with a fancy degree. 100%. No, well said TJ. I, I completely agree. I mean, not to knock any of the specialists and the people out there, the advocates and such, but Right. You don't know, you know, as everyone out there is listening, you don't know unless you lived it. Like you have no idea what it's like unless you've really lived in the trenches and lived through the hell that is our own mind and can be our own body as well to know what it's like to feel so trapped. And yeah, I know, you know, I, like I went to school to, as a licensed professional counselor. I don't practice anymore. Um, but, you know, I see myself as a teacher because, you know, you have to go through something like this, the only thing I could think about is to help and teach other people the way out because um, we need help. Like those of us who are struggling need help and help can be very hard to find sometimes. Yeah. And, and, and like, again, I, I, we've, I mean, we message off and on here and there, like over a couple of days, I guess. But the first time we talked other than the first five minutes for this podcast is this podcast. And, you know, I genuinely have a lot of love and respect for you because of just being a survivor and going through everything you went through because it, it takes a lot to still be here. Regardless of your program and all that, and I, I, I do believe it. I really, I'm glad you, you have it and it exists. But just the fact that you were able to find a way to get up because there's a lot of people right now that will not get up or haven't gotten up uh, and will never get up. Yes. And it's, 
Yeah. For anybody, because you know, I I don't know, you know, I, I know sometimes I can be a cynic, but I really hate people who wear like shirts to say I'm a survivor. Because if you're a real survivor, mm-hmm. other survivors know. You don't have to say like we 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 feel yeah. like we can see it in your pictures, mm-hmm. we can see it in your face, like we we know. And since I'm yeah. a very visual person, but I have shitty vision, I still find ways to understand and know if if it's not through a picture. Um, and you yeah. know, for someone like you who's been through what you've been through, and you found a way on the other side to to uh, share and help, because it, I I'm pretty sure you were ashamed of these things for a long time, and the fact that you could, oh, yeah, the fact that you could actually smile is is was something I'm sure you couldn't fathom a long time ago. But you know, it, yeah, mm-hmm. it's amazing who you kind of who you turned out to be, and you know, like I said, it's two people who just found each other just now. And I hope you want to keep. Yeah. I hope we keep in touch because you know, like I said, it's you really. Not only do you have to support each other, but it, it's just good to know that there's someone out there, you know, on the front line, just pushing for some sort of kindness because this world is really flipped upside down mm. right now, and yeah. mental health is polluted through all this stuff. And um, you know, but it's it's one of the lost things that gets forgotten about through all of it. And mm. you know, we we get so lost in in our own worlds which is understandable because for someone like you or me and and others we've got the shitty end of the stick for a while um yeah but there are people that are going through way worse and um sometimes we just got to find ways to just just be nice it sounds so stupid and cheesy but if you can't find any kind of niceness man it's because good energy good aura is 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 so nice when i bump into somebody it's like oh like you were fantastic, even if it was mm-hmm. for fifteen seconds. It's like, wow. Yeah. How great were you? Um, but yeah, before I forget, can you so good. can you uh, promote your website? Yeah. Um. Thank and thank you, TJ. First, I want to thank you so much for this time. It's been really special to get to know you, connect with you. Um, that's right, to everyone listening. TJ and I have just met, um, but we have a shared experience of struggle and challenge, which I know we all share. And uh, really honored to, to have the opportunity to be here today course, um, and to get to share my experience and to know that there's hope out there. Um, so for me, um, if, if anyone is curious about, you know, reaching out or would love to learn about the program that I teach, um, that I came through um, as a student, which is how I healed all of my chronic health conditions, mental health conditions, addictions, et cetera, <laughs> um, then you can find me on my website, which is www.thehashimotosfix.com. Can you just, so that's can you just spell it? E- yeah. yeah, I'll spell that out. So that's www.phehashimotos. Ix.com, and um, just kind of a so you know out there my specialty my niche is Hashimoto's which is a the most common autoimmune disorder for women mm-hmm. out there where your immune system attacks your thyroid but the work that I teach and do is successful with almost all autoimmune disorders chronic health conditions uh, mental health disorders and addiction issues as well. So I work with a wide range of people, um, men, women, children. Um, but again, my niche is Hashimoto. So that's why 
it's the Hashimoto 6, and you go there and press connect, and you will um, reach out to me. I want to hear from you and would love to, yeah, to share more. Thank yeah. you. No, I'm definitely going to get involved. I'm not just saying that because you're on here because it's, you know, I, I don't know how many supplements and how many damn things, especially like my mental fog is the thing I've been really struggling with. I hate it. I, oh, brain fog. Brain, brain fog. Yes. I analyze it. Yeah. Brain fog. It's something I, I, I'm so annoyed with because I, I, I'm very quick, but I, I, it's just, I struggle and I'm saying, um, too much. And I, I hear it and some people may not hear it until maybe I, now I just addressed it, but I, I really you know, when you do something like this, like talking, I, it, it bugs me because I know I'm way more on my, I'm usually more on my feet in the last couple months. Like someone told me that like Zoloft really, you know, impacts that. So I, I switched to Lexapro and like, I'm trying everything, like okay. literally just because wow. I, I really don't know what to do. And I'm so frustrated by it because I, I, you know, I don't know, like my depression is one thing. My anxiety is pretty well controlled. Um, but my, and my depression's pretty good too, for the most part. Like it's up and down. Maybe maybe once a week, maybe. But which is way more an improvement than what it was. But it, this mental, this brain fog thing is is kicking my ass, and I, mm. I'm, I'm so annoyed. Do you have any advice for that? Just randomly. You no, know, yeah, that's a. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, brain fog is actually one of the most common symptoms that I see with the people that I work with, and I I'm with you, TJ. I struggle with brain fog, and it is so. I'm just using the word disabling um, to feel like that you have a thought and you sometimes can't even get it out of your mouth or even know how to say it mm. or yeah. even just forget what you're thinking of. I remember going into a room and forgetting why I was there and thinking I was getting Alzheimer's when I was like, yep. you know, yeah. in my twenties. So this is just kind of a little, little side thing, but our understanding here, and this is just here at, at the organization I work for is that, Brain fog is, is what it is, is an, a temporary inflammation of the brain um, caused by some kind of allergen, be it environmental or food, um, that is causing an inflammatory response from our immune system, which is then attacking the brain and causing an, an in, um, inflammatory response in the brain. So um, it, it, we see it here as an immune issue, an issue with and malfunction of the immune system right. due to chronic stress. So again, our perspective, work on chronic stress, body in- exits out of that sympathetic nervous system, the body heals and self-repairs, you no longer get that inflammatory brain response anymore because the body's working normally. Um, and brain fog actually is one of the symptoms that I find seems to self-repair, the body self-repairs very quickly usually one of the first symptoms to go um a result when i work with students so uh yeah i you are not alone tj and i'm working with some people with long-haul covid symptoms right now and that's a big um, one that they've been talking about too yeah i've heard um so yeah i haven't had covid or it's tested positive but yeah i've I've heard that because i even i started going through my mind with that like well maybe i had this long-lasting covid thing but Mm -hmm. i never tested positive so then what (laughs) yeah so it it, yeah it's i mean i guess i'm just gonna have to talk to you more about it hopefully you can help because i'm i'm like i'm trying everything um yeah i would be happy to share more it is just just to give you some some confidence it is um very successful in fully resolving and i can speak that from my own experience too because yeah brain fog is real that's everyone out there absolutely (laughs) it is real yes um so lastly uh 
do you have any like advice for somebody who's really struggling with I mean, it could be the any autoimmune, but I think more strictly just based on like mental health. I mean, you you're a person that was mm-hmm. at you know at at your worst, you were really bad. Yeah. Um, do you yeah. have any advice for somebody who's you know like right around that stage, if not deep into the worst part of their life right now, or their mental part of their life? A great question. So I would say to all of you who you know are maybe resonated with anything I shared or are at that really dark place in your life right now, mentally, I want you to know that you're worth saving. You're worth saving. That not all is lost. That there is the real you that's still there. It's not dead. It has not been taken away from you. It's just been buried by all the stressors and the struggles and the challenges you've went through. But you're still in there. So don't give up on yourself. Know that you're in there and that you are the key out. That no, this is my experience, that no doctor, no supplement, no therapist, no medication will be that solution more so than you being your solution. That you have the power inside of you to heal. You just need to unlock it. So don't give up on yourself. You're in there and don't forget who you really are. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. This was really fun, and you know, I think we got a lot yeah. of information out. And obviously, I'm gonna, I want to keep in touch with you regardless. But I, I now I need your, I need your yes. help. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, but I, I you know, I'm here. No, I appreciate. I mean, I, I just want to be friends and get to know you more, and you know, just know that you know another person's out there, but and, and support you whenever you do. But also, yeah, it'd be nice just to get some relief of all this crap that I'm dealing with. So. Uh, but yeah, yes. yeah. we'll look, keep in touch. Yeah. Absolutely, TJ. I'm, I'm here. I'm here for you. I'm here for all your audience. Um, you know, coming from the front lines, I know what it's like. And we're, we got to band together. We have to find a way out together. Um, and I'm happy and, and thankful to be part of the, the change. So, yeah. so thank, thank yeah. you. Thank you again for coming on. And um, yeah, like I said, we'll we'll talk very soon. Great. Appreciate it. Thanks to all out there. Yep. Bye. Bye. All right, guys, that was really great, and maybe I'll actually get some help. <laughs> I don't know. I'm very sarcastic and goofy today, but and my mind's working a little bit. But, yeah, I'm really serious about all that. I, I, I'm so sick and tired of this shit. Oh, just my mind just, yeah. And, and that was just, the, that's not even the negative thoughts and all other stuff. I just was just the brain fog i'm 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 used to being negative uh but you know what you gonna do i'm positive today bullets here with me snuggling you want to julia likes when you add to the podcast do you want to add no he just won he's he's got his back towards me he's laying against me but he's he's got his back towards me he's like nah, i'm i'm he's all like curled up in a in an afghan that my grandma made so uh if you if you go to my instagram you'll you'll see uh You'll see the Afghan. It's a very colorful Afghan she made. And you know what? I changed my, for people who are if who are trying to find me on Instagram, I did change the name just because I didn't really want it to just be my podcast Instagram, even though it is, but I do talk about other things and, and it is, uh, it's not just podcast related. Um, so I, I want to tell you guys what my podcast, so it's at uh, TJ's Safe Space for All. It might be a little corny, but it literally 
is what it is, honestly. And and I'm, that's kind of what the podcast is too. It's a safe space for people to just kind of be themselves and tell really tragic things, but also the good stuff that comes from it. Um, so I am starting to die down and I am tired from work, tired from just be, tired from being tired. And I know some people can relate to that. Stomach is growling. Uh, I don't know if you heard that, but it's growling. Uh, I'm going to get out of here, but I appreciate you all for supporting, listening, and, you know, share with whoever you want. If somebody wants to get a hold of me, you find me. I'm not hard to find. Um, yeah, I hope everybody has a wonderful day. And uh, no matter what day it is that you're listening to this, have a good weekend, have a good week, month, blah, blah, blah. No, I shouldn't say blah, blah, because that just, that almost like, um, you know, completely just neglecting your feelings. And why I'm not politically correct. Why am I doing this? Anyway, guys. I shall see you on another one, and there will be another one, even if I don't have it done yet. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.